Hello out there, folks. This is Rebel Rock Radio, and I am your host, Steve. And as you can tell, with me joining again is JD. How's it going, JD? It's uh, been an interesting week so far. Has it? So, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sick. Sir. That's been kind of yeah. Yeah. Just a definite touch of the stomach flu this week. So yeah. I've been chilling at home. Not fun at all. At least it's not the vid. So, um, we are at episode number 147, and joining us tonight to talk about The Mandalorian is Obi Sean from the Force Dyad podcast. How's it going, Sean? All right. Good. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, good, good stuff so tonight we are doing a retrospective of the mandalorian um comprehensive not not just one particular season we're kind of doing a, a whole like i said comprehensive type thing um because it was november of 2019 that the mandalorian first debuted uh on disney plus uh Interestingly enough, see, today is the 14th that we are live streaming this, uh, but it was December, oh, geez, I want to say 17th. Now I can't remember. Um, no, yeah, that was right. November 17th uh, is when this podcast debuted in 2019. So it's kind of a birthday episode almost but uh, yeah so uh before we jump into anything else we're gonna go ahead and uh play our first music clip um so this first one we're gonna play is from a band based out of london england and they are called the burnt tapes um they just put a single out on october 12th so just last month via wiretap records and we're going to play that single here for you so this is burnt tapes with the song little sister Well, I was waiting for the 
That was awesome. Cool little indie rock song there. Nice stuff. Uh, let's see. Just before the show or the song ended, we got Tina in the chat room. Brian's in the chat room. Um, and Isaac is in the chat room. Brian. Welcome. Isaac, you didn't miss anything yet. We just started. Um, so, as I said, that was... Uh, Burnt Tapes from London, England. And we got a couple more songs for you a little bit later. Uh, but before we jump into all of that, I want to welcome again our guest, Sean from the Force Dyad podcast. So, Sean, tell us a little bit uh, about the show. Yeah, sure. So um, I am one half of the Dyad. I uh I run alongside Jedi John. Uh, he and I have been buds for I don't know, 20 years or so now, uh, or about, yeah, about 20 years. Um, the show's been going for two and a half years now, um, so we can be found pretty much on all major podcast platforms. Uh, social media presence is most, uh, uh, I guess, focused on Twitter slash X, um, whatever you want to call it now, but. Uh, we have uh, you know, Facebook uh, and Instagram as well. So at Force Diet Pod, uh, it's there in the cool name badge there. On Twitter, uh, Force Diet Podcast on all the other mainline uh, social media platforms. So we do have a YouTube. Uh, we're trying to get more into the video side of things. But yeah, we, uh, me and John just nerd out. We've uh, been Star Wars fans for oh, the majority of our lives at this point, and uh, the vast majority of our lives. And so we thought, what better way to fill what little free time we have uh, between, uh, you know, wife and kids, uh, then talking shop, talking Star Wars. So we have a blast doing it. Heck yeah. Talking Star Wars, always a good night. <laughs> uh, so I've got a link uh, to the Force Dyad podcast website in the show notes. So uh, if you want to check them out, uh, you can just click on that link in the show notes there. And um, what's everybody drinking tonight? I'm taking it easy on my stomach. I got Sprite. That's smart. So I am I'm going all rock out. So I've got my Live Nation koozie from the recent Disturbed and Break Benjamin concert I went to. And I'm drinking a I'm drinking a fat Elvis, which is a banana peanut butter stout. You know, as we go into the winter time, it's uh okay. it's time for stouts. So I'm going hard. I'm I've got my, my Mandalorian mug and I'm drinking coffee. Because, <laughs> as you know, we are all powered by coffee. Oh man! So, um, other than uh, working, what you been up to uh, this week, Sean? Um, I would say I would like to say that there's been other stuff so far. Uh, so Tuesdays is actually normally my bowling night. Um, 
So shout out to Admiral Akbar's Rebel Alliance. It's actually my week to sit. Um, and so this actually worked out perfectly. But um, yeah, I've been uh, I've been stuck in an ISO audit, which sounds about as fun. Uh, it's about as fun as it sounds at work. But um, my son, he's uh, doing swim stuff. So we had swim this week. Um, getting ready to go to Kansas City next week for the uh, Eagles Chiefs game. I'm a big Eagles fan. Um, so Buddy's got season tickets for the Chiefs. And so I begged him to bring me along. So getting set up for that. So, um, but I've got, I had a guest spot last night on a show. I'm doing Rebel Rock Radio tonight. And then we're going to record tomorrow night for our show. So I've actually got a pretty booked front front half for, for podcast stuff. So great to, uh, looking forward to the talk tonight. And uh, I'm really appreciative for you having, having me on the show. Sean, Sean, we're fast becoming enemies, buddy, because you've been to a Breaking Benjamin concert and you're going to go to the Chiefs and Eagles. Mm -hmm. We just met, but buddy, you're you were already on the bad side. I'm oh sorry. no, are you a Cowboys fan? Are you a Cowboys <laughs> no, fan? No, 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 no. I'm originally from Indiana, so I'm by def by by default I'm a Colts fan. But Peyton Manning okay. here, a Colts fan, yep. and yep. now I live in Kansas, so I'm pretty much surrounded by the Red Nation. So yep. I have to support the Chiefs. Of course. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, we're we're just outside, or I'm just outside St. Louis. So we, we're gonna make the trek cross state uh, next week. But I did, for what it's worth, grow up a a Colts fan, uh, cheering for Peyton Manning as well. So, I mm -hmm. I okay. Now, now, now we're on a good side again. <laughs> at least I have a winning season. Um, yeah, the, I don't really follow football that much, but the team that I I do tend to follow. Uh, is three and seven right now, so they're not doing too well. Um, hmm. I am more, I am more a hockey fan than anything else. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the hockey team that I follow is not doing too well either. <laughs> they are, uh, they are. Let's see, what is their record? Five and eight. They are not doing well. Uh, Sounds like the Blues. Jeez. No, it's uh, the Blackhawks. Uh, but I, like, I, I, like I live Spencer. in um, I live in Norman, Oklahoma, which is just outside. Well, it's about thirty minutes outside Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, if they had a home team for hockey, it would be the Stars. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I do actually like the Stars, and they're they're actually doing pretty well. But the Blackhawks are sucking it up. I like Spencer's comment in the chat. I like the Cowboys just to annoy people. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, look at just stop liking bad teams. That that would call that would that would make me a fair weather fan, and I can't do that. <laughs> I cannot do that. Kind of like being uh, a Star Wars fan. You can't be a fair weather fan. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so JD, other than being sick, what have you been up to? Uh, not much. My job required me to be on standby for the weekend. So it's pretty much a boring weekend for me. I completed a lot of house chores and did a complete rewatch of the Mandalorian seasons. So that way I could be prepared for tonight. Um, along, along with, uh, picking up some new, a uh, new audio book that I recommended last podcast. So I'm trying to dive into that. It's a return of the Jedi, uh, from a different, or from a certain you point found of view that on, as an audio book. Yeah. Uh -huh. Where at? uh where at yeah where'd you get the audio oh oh um um i got it off of apple books hmm. 
So I downloaded it off there so I could listen to it. Because if I actually had to sit down and read it, my patience is just not there. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I've been trying to deep dive into that. And um, so, yeah, I, I mean, the uh, next week I'll be uh, headed to Colorado for Thanksgiving. I've got uh, my girlfriend and his family there. So we're going to be visiting them in Colorado. And we're going to be taking my my daughter's boyfriend, who's from England, he will be his first time ever seeing the Rocky Mountains. So we're going to take him as high up into Rocky Mountain National Park as we possibly can. So that'll be fun. Yeah. And scare the crap out of him on the Continental Divide Highway. <laughs> there you go. Um, I was actually born in uh, Colorado. So, um, yeah, I, I like Colorado. I lived three to four years in Colorado in the early 80s and loved it. My mom yeah. worked in Estes Park of all places. Oh yeah, and it I was, was just say, what, uh, where in uh, where in Colorado are, are you uh, going? Just out. Well, we're going just north of Denver. <clears throat> okay, where, where at? Yeah. Um, Firestone. Okay, I was born in Aurora. Oh okay. Yep. 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 We're going to. Going to Firestone, we got an Airbnb just outside of Longmont, and uh, we're going to spend Ooh. a couple days up and going to spend a couple days up in Estes Park and do some nice. Thanksgiving stuff okay. with some family and that kind of thing. So, yeah, we yeah. have we have family in Longmont, so I know that area. Nice, very cool. Very cool. I would live there, but it's too damn expensive. That's yeah. I was just telling yeah, yeah I was just telling my wife that a couple days ago. I'm like, yeah, I moved to Colorado, but that's too expensive. <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason I live in Oklahoma. It's so cheap to live here. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm still in Kansas. It's less than eight hours. It's less than eight hours to Denver, and yeah. I can pack my truck full of camping gear, go to Denver, or go to the mountains, and be there in less than, in mm -hmm. basically less than you know, like nine or ten hours. And I can go out camp for the weekend and drive back, and all it costs me is the tanks of gas, and I don't have to spend the money on the hotels or actually living there. So it actually works out really great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's not the greatest place to live, but, uh, yeah, it's only, it's only about 10 hours for us to get up, to get up to Longmont. Um, but cool, cool. Well, that's going to be, uh, going to be good. So, um, I'm trying to think of our schedule. We are going to be here. We are going to be doing an episode next week, but we will not have an episode the week after, so we don't pick up again until December 5th. Uh, but um, let's see. Anybody? So Spencer's jumping in the chat room, and there's Dragon Buddy. Good to see you folks in the chat room as we talk about some Mando. Um, so where can you find us where can you find rubble rock radio well we are on pretty much all of the socials uh easiest way to find us though i'm not going to rattle off a bunch of social media but if you just go to that link right there and if you listen on audio that link is bio.link forward slash rubble rock radio um and technically i guess i could just say I just realized that uh, all I got to do is say rebelrockradio.com and that <laughs> takes you to the bio link and that will take you to all of the socials, the YouTube, the Facebook, 
Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all that good stuff. It'll take you to our Patreon page, which I'll mention here in a minute. Uh, it will also take you to our um, merch page, which I do want to mention right now. If you go to that merch page, you can buy in time for Christmas. And what's better way to say I love you than a gift of a Rebel Rock Radio t-shirt or coffee mug? <laughs> uh, so uh, if you do want to uh, support us, you can support us on our Patreon. Uh, again, go to that bio link, rebelrockradio.com. Uh, and just click on the Patreon link, and you can be a patron for as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, which we actually do put up every once in a while. Um, and I would like to give a shout-out to those folks who are already our patrons. And we kind of just rebooted the Patreon a couple, our Patreon a couple months ago, so... We have Dave, Kelly, Chris, Justin, Charlie, and Chantel. So thank you for being our patrons and for supporting us. Uh, and as I said, you too can be a patron for as little as $1 a month. Hey, there's Belinda. Hey, Belinda, how's it going? Good to see you in the chat. Good to have you. And um, what was I talking about? Yeah, patron. $1 a month. That's all it takes. Um, it's cheaper than coffee. That is cheaper than coffee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people pay like six bucks a day for their coffee. They're just talking $1 a month. <laughs> it's nothing. Oh, man. Um, I feel like I had something else I wanted to say, but I guess no Hmm. Guess I should have put it in the notes. I guess it wasn't important enough to put in the notes, so it ain't gonna happen. Um. Anyway, so that's uh, fly by wire. Anyway. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about it after the show's over. With uh, we're gonna go ahead and play our second music selection. Um, this one comes from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, from a band called the Jelly Bricks. And, well, Tina, sometimes it can be expensive, but you just got to know where to go. Just don't buy Starbucks. Um, yeah, Jelly Bricks from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. They just put out a single, like, last week, maybe week before that, 3rd of November. Uh, put it out via Wicked Cool Records, and we're going to play that single for you. So this is the Jelly Bricks with Mondays Never. Monday's never good for me Tuesday needs to go away Wednesday starts to feel okay Monday's never good for me Sun. 
mid 2000s pop punk feel that i got from yeah. both. like the first one was a lot like i got some swing swing all american rejects and that one kind of sounded like bowling for soup a little bit uh, a little bit yeah that uh, was that was good gonna be some good stuff yeah, i'm glad somebody finally called monday out for what it is exactly okay. <laughs> always assume that mondays are going to be bad it doesn't matter whether you wake up on a good day or not right. monday is always going to be bad Monday's that's right um I did remember, just as the song started, what I was going to mention uh, regarding our stream tonight. Uh, so we normally stream on YouTube, which we are. Uh, last week, we tried our first ever stream on Twitch. Uh, that's right, Tina. These are bullshit. <laughs> um, and tonight, we are, for the first time ever, trying out a live stream uh, in addition to those two, we are also streaming on Facebook. I have no idea how that works, but if any of you out there are watching us on Facebook, let me know how it works, because I've never watched anything like that. Going big time across three platforms, man. Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> um, seeing how it works. Um, so I got another song coming up, but before our song, we have our Rebel Rock Radio Weekly Picks. So, um, as I mentioned uh, before the show, uh, Sean, don't, don't feel obligated, but if you do have something, by all means, give your recommendation if you've got something. I am ready. I am prepared. I've come prepared. Uh, so my pick this week is going to be, I'm actually kind of, I don't know, I'm about a third of the way through it. It is Inquisitor, Rise of the Red Blade, um, which uh, is a new book, came out. Uh, they actually were pre-selling it. This is a convention exclusive copy from SDCC. Um, but uh, it is basically the story of, well, it's kind of in the title. Uh, a Jedi, it's, it picks up right at the beginning of the Clone Wars uh, at the Battle of Geonosis and then kind of continues on uh, following this uh, individual Jedi who, for all intents and purposes, seems lost uh, without a master, kind of like a Ronin type thing, um, trying to figure out who she is, where she comes from. And um, it is excellent so far. Like I said, I'm about a third of the way through. Um, but yeah, Inquisitor, Rise of the Red Blade. It's a, I think it's a, is it a penguin? Oh, Random House is a publishing group. Uh, Delilah Dawson is the author. And it is uh, it is fantastic so far. So, cool. 
it takes place after the Clone Wars? So it picks up um, at the Battle of Geonosis. Basically, the okay, first couple chapters are, uh, you know, the Patraki Arena and, and her along with a bunch of younglings, like basically getting thrust into battle to go save Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme. And then um, follows her through the Clone Wars. And then I'm not to the end of the Clone Wars, but I know it picks up obviously after Order 66 um, into that time frame uh, post Jedi Order into the rise of the empire. So, uh, so yeah, that would be my pick this week. Very cool. Um, yeah, what do you have Um, I'm actually going to go outside of star Wars for just a minute and, but it's still going to be sci-fi. Um, for those of you who are familiar with Zack Snyder and if you have Netflix, uh, Zack Snyder is the guy that did, uh, like the, uh, the long form of justice league and then 300 and a few other things. And he's got a new show coming out on Netflix that I just saw the trailer for the other day. It comes out in December. It looks very interesting. The only way is in the reason I'm again, the reason I'm saying it is because I'm trying to keep it fresh in my head so I can watch it when it comes out because it looks awesome. It's called Rebel Moon. I've heard it mentioned a couple times and didn't really pick it up a whole lot until I saw the trailer. And it looks gritty. It has a 300 sci-fi feel to it. And it looks very interesting. So I'm definitely anxious for that and I'm going to try to Try to pick that up when it comes out in uh, in December. That's cool. Yeah, um, I, it does look interesting. Um, I saw the, the trailer for it, uh, but we recently got rid of Netflix. So I don't know if I'm going to have a chance to watch it. You uh, get to that point on streaming services where you've got to pick your battles and which one do you want. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, the thing was, is like, we figured out, like, none of us were watching anything on Netflix. It was like, there was one show that I hadn't caught up or finished watching that's on Netflix. I'm like, well, if I haven't got to it by now, I'm probably never going to get to it. So, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. Um off a, off subject for a minute. I don't know if you guys have heard anything about this. Maybe you guys can elaborate a little bit more. But I've heard a rumor the other day that Disney Plus and Hulu are actually going to comp- combine for one super streaming service. Do you guys know much about that? Um, I I have heard something about that. I don't. <laughs> I don't know all the details though. Bless you. Um, I mean, I already pay for both. I pay for the, uh, I don't pay for the Hulu live, but I do pay for Hulu because we do actually watch, well, come think of it. I don't really watch much on it, but my wife watches a lot of stuff on it. Yeah. I mean, it it makes sense. They've got the triple pack now with Hulu, ESPN plus and Disney plus like Mm -hmm. together. So, but uh, yeah, I think that's supposed to happen. Is that February? Wasn't it February? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I said after the first, after the first of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, I think before we went live, I had mentioned to you guys that I had a movie I was going to do a recommendation on. I decided not to, uh, I, I but I do have a recommendation. Um, it is sci-fi. It's not Star Wars. Uh, it's not a movie or a TV show or a book though so this is a video game that i just recently started playing 
um, and I've been enjoying it quite a bit. And if you haven't played it out there, um, I definitely recommend you play Starfield. Hmm. Um, I love that game. So those of you that are regulars to the show know that I am uh, a big fan of Fallout. Uh, so this is kind of kind of Fallout in space in a way. Uh, and it really, really has, uh, I mean, it's put out by the same company that made Fallout. Um, so uh, it's got a lot of the, a lot of the same elements as far as gameplay and whatnot. And it's, uh, it's really a lot of fun. It's, uh, there's so much you, to do in there. Are you playing on PC or PC or console? Uh, I'm on, I'm on an Xbox. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't. I have I have a Mac, so I can't really play games on it. Um, but I do have I have an Xbox and a PS5. Um, I bought the PS5 specifically because I wanted to play the Spider-Man sequel. Uh, <laughs> the Spider-Man sequel is out. I have yet to play it because I can't afford it yet. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna wait for the price to go down a little bit. Uh, but Starfield, I didn't have to pay for because it's on Game Pass. Wait, what? It is? Yeah, if you've got Game Pass on your Xbox, it's free. Yeah, I'm going to go download that after the stream tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, when I bought when I bought my Xbox, it came with two years of, of uh, Me too. Game Pass. So, Me too. Yeah, I've just been, I mean, I've been playing a crap ton of games for free, so. Awesome. I don't think I've bought a game since, uh, oh man, last game. Oh, you know what? Actually, last game I bought was uh, Jedi Survivor. Oh, yeah. I did buy that. Awesome I did buy that. Um, One and two. I got Survivor yeah. and Fallen Order. Yeah. <clears throat> but I got to finish that, Survivor, though. Oh, it's I got to so finish Survivor. <laughs> yeah, Survivor's really good. I, I like so it. Good. Um, I'm a uh, I'm a uh, hardcore PS PlayStation fan, and I've been I've had PlayStation since it was PlayStation Two. I have a PlayStation Five now, and one of my favorite games of all time to ever play is actually the Assassin's Creed series. Yep. And yeah. Black Flag, I've played through Black Flag so many times, mm -hmm. you know that I've I, I don't know I got motion sickness from this from the ocean, <laughs> but. <laughs> but um, I was in the middle of Survivor, and the new Assassin's Creed Mirage came out, and yeah, that kind of cut that off for a little bit. So, <laughs> so the chat room is saying that Netflix is, might be releasing um, Rebel Moon in theaters. Yeah, yeah, for for limited release. So, but <laughs> but it says it's uh, most likely in bigger cities, so it's probably not going to hit Oklahoma City. So. Yes, St. Louis. Does, if it does hit the theater, I'll go see it. If it, yeah, if it hits the theater. Um, but JD, nothing wrong with PlayStation. I like PlayStation too. Um, the main reason that I I had a PS4 and the reason that I switched to the Xbox, whatever the fuck the new one's called. Um, <laughs> the reason I switched the, the Series X. Yeah, the reason that I switched over to that is because. Uh, whether the rumors are true or not, I've I have heard that Bethesda is making almost all of their games Xbox exclusive, mm -hmm. and I play a lot of Bethesda games, so I'm like, well, got to go to Xbox. 
So, yeah. Well, Xbox actually has a game that I would love to play. It's called Sea of Thieves. Oh, yeah. 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 But mm-hmm. can't play it on PlayStation. So, I yeah. mean, maybe that's my motivation to get a new Xbox, I guess. I yeah. don't know. But, but well, I'll see, when I, when I saw the trailer... Or actually, it wasn't even the official trailer. It was just like a a teaser trailer for the um, for the new Spider Man game. Um, I I wound up getting a PS Five. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I gotta get that. Of course, of course, PlayStation's got something similar coming out, and it's actually supposed to be kind of a non Assassin's Creed universe related version called Stolen Bones, mm-hmm. and it focuses more on the sea battles and stuff rather than the uh, uh, the individual player part, which I like that part. I, I like the being able to climb up the mast and being able to fight on the deck and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's supposed to be similar to Sea of Thieves. It's just going to be more of a, you know, kind of a up to upgraded black flag strictly yeah. with ships kind of thing. So maybe they, and it's still in its test phases. So maybe they're going to do like onboard battles and stuff. I mean, that's a, that's a very good possibility. But for right now, from the beta tests that I've seen, there's no, there's no one-on-one PVE battles. It's just ship versus ship. So we'll see. We'll see how it comes out. Richard says Sea of Thieves is, is a lot of fun. So yeah. Right. And Tina said, as I'm, I'm assuming she's regarding talking about Rebel Moon. The film will be playing exclusively. Los Angeles, New York City, Toronto. Yep. I guess I won't be watching it. <laughs> oh, well. Do they not forget there's people in the Midwest? I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even if, even if it came to Dallas, I mean, I don't think I'd drive all the way to go see a movie, but I will be going to Dallas on the 28th, though. But, uh, um, Let's see. Well, I'll, I'll watch it and tell you what you're missing, Steve. Okay, good deal. <laughs> Pretty surprised it. they're going to turn yeah. into a TV show. <clears throat> you're surprised what? That they're going to turn into a TV show. I always thought it was going to be a movie. Because yeah, all I, all I, I heard... Maybe know, he got, heard, got a better okay. offer uh, money-wise from... Yeah, you know. like stretch it out. Yeah. I've heard I've heard it was long though. I heard the story was long longer. Well, I mean, there's going to be more than one part. Like this one that's coming out in December is only part one. Ah, that makes sense. Uh, then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. They could have done a three part saga movie though. Who knows? Could have turned into something. You never know. <laughs> now, Spencer, behave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a reason they call us flyover country, right? I was going to say, I'm waiting for somebody to figure up a flyover joke. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Well, Kansas, man. There's like driving through Kansas. Man, that's... that's all I, I, I got to say is no matter where you where you land on the political fallout of, of everything that's been happening lately, when you're in the Midwest, a lot of that doesn't affect you. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. It just yeah. kind of goes over you. <laughs> that is true. All right. Well, that was it for uh, our our weekly picks. So links to those will be in the show notes. Um, And we are going to be doing our retrospective of the Mandalorian in just a few moments. Uh, But before that, we're going to jump in and play our last song of the evening. This one is from Boston, Massachusetts. And the band is Cold Expectations. 
they released a single on October 6th via Rumbar Records. And we're going to play that single. So here is Cold Expectations with I Live With Ghosts.
All right. Cold expectations with I live with ghosts. Little uh, kind of garage rock punk there. Good stuff. That's actually a cover of a song by a guy named Lou Miami, uh, who also comes from Boston. But good, good stuff. Uh, while I'm thinking about it, I'm going to do a little uh, shameless self-promotion here. Uh, speaking of music, my band is playing a show next. Jesus, when is that? Oh, shit, that's Monday. This upcoming Monday uh, at the Grand Royale in Oklahoma City. There's the show flyer right there. We're going to be playing with a band uh, based out of Cyprus. So that should be very fun. Uh, the band we're playing with is called The Hajj. So go check them out. Uh, but yeah, we are playing November 20th at the Grand Royale. So if you guys happen to make your way into Oklahoma City for some ungodly reason, uh, go check it out. <laughs> uh, let's see. What do we got here in the chat? Anybody new? Nope. 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 Nobody new yet. What are you guys talking about? Oh, yes. I do Spencer's need to mention family. that uh, this Friday uh, there is going to be another uh, uh, session of the Red 5 Tavern Dungeons & Dragons game. Uh, we played last Friday. That was a lot of fun. Um, I know that Spencer's going to be in the game. I'm trying to remember who else is going to be in it. Uh, Aaron, I believe. Tina, do you remember who else is going to be in the game? No, I don't remember. <laughs> Spencer and Aaron, I remember. Um, yes, so Red Five Cavern Friday. Um, check out, uh, I think you can just go to YouTube and look up Red Five Cavern. Oh, yeah, Dragon Buddy will be there as well. Uh, so that's three. There, I think there's one other. Is Kelly going to be there, Chris? Um, she, I think she does it kind of every week. Oh, it's you, Tina. Okay, so Kelly's not playing. So it's you, Dragon Buddy, Aaron, and Spencer. Uh, and then, of course, Charles will be the DM. Um, but, yeah, that's a lot of fun. So check that out. They'll be live streaming that on YouTube on Friday night. So go check that out. I don't, I don't think I've ever actually sat in or played a game of D&D, &D, so that would be interesting to actually see what goes on. That would it, be it is fun to just sit, sit and, and and watch people play D&D. &D. It's 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 it, it can get it can get pretty hilarious. Like so I played last week and uh, so there was a festival going on uh, where we were where we were all at and uh, so basically all hell breaks loose because this this uh, uh, Weirvin, um, kind of like a dragon, um, comes in and starts, you know, attacking people and trying to eat them and whatnot. So the, the entire, you know, festival crowd is just dispersed and screaming their heads off and just well, all hell is breaking loose in this. And my guy, who is a thief... Uh, <laughs> is taking the opportunity of all these people running and screaming, uh, taking the opportunity by going to all the festival tents and stealing the money. 
So good times. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Fun stuff. Thieves, thieves must be opportunistic. Yes. Uh, he's a good guy, though. He's just misunderstood. All right. Let's talk about some Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Such a good show. Um, so I remember <laughs> Tina yelling at them and Steve pickpocketing all of them. That was pretty much how it went. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I remember when it was first announced, and I was I was pretty excited. Um, I was pretty excited to get a a show about a Mandalorian because, as you know, I'm a big fan of Boba Fett and Mandalorians and all that good stuff. If you, yeah, if you look around my room, you'll see all this Mandalorian crap. Like it, yeah. If you look uh, here, let me direct the. There's my Boba Fett picture right there up at the top. And just to the left of it is my Mandalorian poster. So, yeah, big fan. Um, and then, um, yeah, I was just actually talking to Tina about this earlier. Um, when I went to Celebration in Chicago, uh, they had the Mandalorian panel uh, with, with Dave and uh, John and uh, Kathleen. Um, if I'm remembering right, I think Pablo was there, too. Uh, yeah, he showed up. But yeah, I was I was in the second row because I actually <laughs> I actually won the lottery to do because I was like, of all of them, that's really the only one that I want to make sure I'm at, and I did I did make it. So yeah, I was in the second row of that, and it was a blast, and I was even more excited to see it. Um, and then uh, like right after uh, celebration, see, I, I was doing another podcast that was not necessarily star wars related just kind of general nerdery and uh a friend of mine charlie uh jumped on the show with me one night and we talked about this upcoming series called mandalorian and uh, how excited we were about it and um after that show wrapped we decided hey let's start a star wars podcast and uh, start it as soon as Mandalorian starts. So that's when Rogue One Radio was born, uh, which, as I mentioned, was the 17th of November of 2019. So that's coming up in a few days, our, our anniversary. Uh, of course, the show is no longer called Rogue One Radio due to reasons that I am not allowed to talk about. Um, <laughs> we can probably <laughs> guess. Thank you, Lucas. <laughs> <Phil>. uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so Mandalorian, so, like, did you guys watch it as soon as it started? Like, when it debuted? Yes. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I so got what, Disney Plus just for it, just because of it. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much why I got Disney Plus. I was like, I got to watch Mandalorian. So, <laughs> what were your initial, like, when you first found out about it, uh, like, how did you find out about it, and what were your initial impressions? Let's start with Sean. So, yeah, I mean, finding out about it, I was, uh, I, I, I mean, like most Star Wars fans, stoked to have a, uh, a, uh, a Star Wars TV series. Um, as you mentioned, the the panel at Chicago or in Chicago, uh, John 
my podcast better half, uh, had Jedi VIP that whole weekend. Um, I was actually supposed to go, but my son was born two weeks prior to celebration. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't make it. Uh, but he had VIP. So he the nerve was, of him. what's that? The nerve of him. I know <laughs> <laughs> he went without me. How dare he? Um, but anyway, so yeah, he got he got in the panel. He uh, he he didn't live here. He didn't live, you know, message us or message me when the eight minute, eight and a half minute preview that you guys got uh, went off. But um, no, you know, seeing the trailer, uh, obviously with it coming out kind of with the launch of Disney Plus, um, like my re up, my renewal for Disney Plus is coincides with. The release date of the mandalorian uh because i had it the day it dropped so um yeah i i was stoked for it and then when it came out that opening scene the opening the music with from ludwig like ludwig's score just incredible um and it really set the tone for the western feel that we eventually got and the opening scene with the mithral and everything like that it was just it was, and, and I know Rise of, Rise of Skywalker was getting ready to come out in December, so it was like a Star Wars high, you know, everybody was just so amped for everything coming out, and it was the perfect sort of table setting for, you know, for that movie to come out, you know, uh, you know, whatever your opinions might be about the movie, it was, it was a perfect hype train uh, for it, and I, I absolutely love Mandalorian when it, when it came out, when it dropped first. <clears throat> What about you, JD? <laughs> um, I, I like a lot of people. I mean, I'm I'm I've got lots of social media site or you know a lot of my social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, uh, uh, X, Twitter, whatever. Um, they're all Star Wars stuff. So I kept seeing a bunch of just a lot of rumors, a lot of speculations, a lot of uh, like um, concept posters and different things, you know, and like the banner with just him and the one part of it, you know, that kind of stuff. I kept seeing all kinds of concepts and different things come out and people kind of talk about it. And when they talked about the, when they kind of talked about the, you got that, just that little opening bit. That's awesome. So good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so great. And then it cuts into that other music. And by the end, it's this grandioso thing. I'm like, yeah, dude, that's great. But uh Star Wars TV yeah. series and it having a Western thing made me so happy. Yep, I agree, Gary Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. But then I got to go to I got to go to um, Chicago in twenty nineteen to see it and I got lucky enough to get in to watch it too. I'm so jealous of both of you. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's where that's where that came from right there. I got one of the posters. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> but I actually um, got so I have that poster somewhere. I, I think it's in my garage. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's still in the garage from when we moved back from Michigan. But uh, my girlfriend, we actually got two posters, and I got I got one, and I got put it in the in the sleeve. And then my uh, buddy of mine from New York uh, that I met at Celebration that I talked to all the time, he couldn't go, so I actually got him put one in the sleeve and sent it to him. So yeah, he got to have one, but he didn't get to, he didn't get to go to it. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, so, so one thing I, I actually wanted to mention um, about 
the theme song. Um, give me just a second. I'm going to see if I can find it on YouTube and if it'll let me share it. Uh, there is a band called Galactic Empire um, that put out an album um, earlier this year of like metal versions of uh, of um, Star Wars music. Um, and they did a version of The Mandalorian, which actually we played on an episode a few months ago. But um, I'm going to see... Let's see if it'll let me. If it's the one I'm thinking of, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, let me let me see if it'll let me. No, let me get through the. Let me get through the ad first. Stupid ad. <laughs> That's another okay. streaming service you could pay for. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So let me see how this works. Um. Oh, you know what? I gotta have it in another browser for this to work. Damn it! All right, let's try this again. Always prepared, folks. We are always prepared. Why is it running an ad again? God damn it! About that money. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me see if I can get this to work. So <laughs> it's just getting worse too. <clears throat> yeah. Share screen. Is that how that works? Um, window. Uh, there we go. See if this works. It probably won't. But oh, seriously, I don't think it's gonna work. The fakers. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly too, when they uh, when they actually did the um, the screening of the eight minute clip when you uh, went into the uh, different halls to watch it, they were actually watching for people who were trying to record it with their phones mm -hmm. and telling people don't get caught recording it because they'll kick you out. So yeah, it was um, it was kind of under wraps. They didn't want people to they didn't want people to uh, to let it out. Yeah, the 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 way that, and I'm sure we'll get to it, but the way that the show was so not spoiled, like especially the the big reveal at the oh, end. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, just incredible. It, it was incredible how it managed to make it to release for people to see without it being spoiled. It's just phenomenal, incredible. And, and, and since then, people have gotten way worse at trying to release spoilers, and actually, mm -hmm. it's become a a pretty big. Um, you know, kind of a side hustle to get information oh, yeah. out and to get paid for it and things like that. It's become pretty because of stuff like that, because can you imagine if somebody actually got a chance to leak that and how much, you know, they've been, I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. that was, that was such a thing, you know, between that just shattered the community when that came out, man, that was, Oh yeah. That was great. All right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if this is going to work. I didn't. And now you can't go into any store anywhere and not see as, face <laughs> i i have my own feelings about baby yoda grogu that perhaps we'll discuss during this this chat but it's my, it's now it's now din grogu ah yes yes yes, yes. Din grogu. Yeah. <laughs> he has his, the 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 evolution of of grogu it's 
well, we'll get to it, I'm sure. But my son has a stuff has a big one. He got it. He busted open his forehead. He was at the hospital. They gave him a brand new, you know, massive baby Yoda that he carries around the house now. He's four. So um, it's not it's not in this room. It's in the it's in my uh, my my living room with a lot of my other more, you know, the big, more expensive collectibles that I keep an eye on. But I have the sideshow collectibles life size version of uh, yes. Grogu. And I love that thing. And it's crazy because people who have watched the show who aren't even Star Wars fans, I, I break it out to them and show it to them and I put it on the table so they can see it and like the eyes are looking at them and you know, mm-hmm. everywhere they go, it looks like he's and they just freak out because I say, Yeah, it's a it's a life size version of it. And they just it goes crazy. And everybody's like, Can I hug him? I'm like, Don't touch it. Don't don't touch, touch it. Boys. Don't touch it <laughs> unless you have cash in pocket that you can hand me to replace it. Don't touch it. <clears throat> I will be handling it, setting it down, and putting it back. But you people, keep your hands off it. Mm-hmm. It's a funny thing about collectibles, but I'm the same exact yeah. way. <laughs> it looks like toys, but it's not toys. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it's telling me that Chrome does not have permission to capture my screen. But I'm on Chrome. <laughs> hmm. Oh well, it was a good thought. Uh, yeah, I'll put a uh, I'll put a link to the song on. Um, oh, we'll do Apple Music. Like I said, it. if it's the one, if it's the one I think you're talking of, it's definitely. If you've never heard it, it's definitely worth a listen. It's an awesome track, especially if you're, you're a, if you're a rock fan. Like I said, we we played it on an episode a few months back, and it's yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty good. Uh, anyway, so let's let's move on. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about, as far as like so across the board, um, yes, Galactic Empire. That that's them, Dragon Buddy. Yep, I I think you were listening. Yeah, I think you were in the chat when we played it that one night. Um, so across the the whole spectrum of seasons, like, are there any specific uh, outside of the Mandalorian himself? Uh, did you have any favorite characters from the show? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> You want to I mean, go first, I, <laughs> it's but it's hard it's hard to nail down one. I mean, if you if you take out the Mandalorian himself and you take away like the legacy characters, yeah. Let's just say let's say let's take let's take out the legacy characters. I mean, obviously, obviously, Baby Yoda, Grogu, Din Grogu. I mean, that's cool. I mean, that was mind blowing because I mean, if Empire Strikes Back is one of your favorite Star Wars movies, and then all of a sudden. You've got this 900-year-old version of Yoda that's one of people's most favorite characters from the original, and then you come up with this baby version that there's a whole new biology and there's a whole new way of looking at him and what they and you don't even know what the species name is yet. We still don't know. And um, I mean, you know, I thought he was. I, I thought that that just blew my mind for for starters. Um, I I was a little weird. I, I was talking about earlier offline. I got a picture with Carl Weathers and Carl Weathers has been, I loved a lot of the movies that he was in when I was in the eighties, a lot of action movies that he was in. 
And I, I kind of was off a little bit about Grief Karga at the beginning, but by the end of season one, I thought he was a, a fantastic character. I thought he was really cool. Um, Fennec Shan. Fennec Shan is awesome. I've always liked her stuff, uh, other yeah. shows that she's been in. I think she's a great actress. Um, uh, I mean, there's just been, there's a lot of different characters that they brought in that were, yeah. that were just so interesting. And then, and then the resurgence of the legacy characters, you know, just in Boba and Luke and just that short period of time. And then what they did with them in season two, yeah. I mean, uh, there's just been a whole lot of stuff. that's just been, well, you got, you got Miggs Mayfield. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, yep. And I, I was a little, I'll be honest with you. I was worried about him because I've seen Bill Burr's comedy. And I was like, wow, that's, that is like edgy for Disney. I was like, holy cow. I mean, you're wow. You know? (laughs) And then they brought, you know, they brought him in and I was like, and then by, you know, season one, I was like, eh. And then season two, I was like, yeah, wow. That guy, that's, that's pretty cool. And the guy's got some really good acting chops and, and I thought he did a really excellent job. Thought he did a real good job. Yeah. And the thing about, the newer characters is I thought they did a good, a, a well enough job, actually a good job in many of the cases of actually completing a story arc to where you actually care about them. So like Quill, for example, right. You know, mm-hmm. he's brought into, to kind of do the, uh, the star Wars version of a training montage. Right. And then yeah. <laughs> it, you know what happens at the end of season one <clears throat> and you like feel emotionally for, for his character. IG, like I never thought that I would actually care about a droid, you know, just the yeah. same way that Din does. Right. Or doesn't, I guess. And the way that, and I know Taika was, was the voice actor on it and the way that he brought him to life. And by the end of it, you actually care about his character. Um, a a lot of almost, I was almost as excited by the time this first season was over with, I was almost as excited about IG, about IG droids because of seeing, because of seeing them in empire and then seeing what they could do in the show and how, you know, the, with the twisting of the arms and shooting. Oh, yeah. I was like, why do people not have armies of these things? I was like, I was excited. I, I was almost excited. I mean, I saw that. And I was like, oh, my God, this is cool. And then they did Baby Yoda. I was like, everybody forgot about the IG droid. I'm like, dude, did you see that? Did you see what happened before that? Them flying down on the speeder and Baby Yoda going like this and him just murking people off on the side was just. <laughs> that was so just awesome. So it was so good. That was so and, awesome. Uh, you know, Miggs's character, you know, the, like you said, from season one to season two, how they how they completed that arc and actually made you care about him, even in such a short time frame. Um, and then what they inevitably did with Bo, you know, ha- having giving her a bigger role, because obviously you get her in Clone Wars. Um, but to see her after, uh, you know, I thought between season two and season three, they, they've done a really good job of. <clears throat> fleshing out more of her backstory beyond just the, yeah. the, the um, warrior. Um, so yeah, they've, they've done a really good job of developing these characters. Um, in, in, yeah. In, in a, in a really, in a really uh, well done way. Yeah. And I know, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of shout it out for a minute because I, I don't, I don't subscribe to this whole thing about throwing shade at actors who don't necessarily have not, been in acting roles, but they've done a few things. And, they, and I'm speaking specifically to, to, um, Cara Dune, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Gina Carano, uh, I'm, I'm going to mention it. I mean, maybe it's taboo. I don't know if it is or not. I'm speaking, I don't care about the other stuff. I'm speaking specifically about the show. So don't yeah. anybody come at me. Okay. Mm-hmm. But 
she's I, I mean I, I gotta say it she's not the best actress mm-hmm. but there her background in MMA her storyline of being from Alderaan I thought that was awesome I thought it was very compelling yeah. I thought it was cool that she was a she was from Alderaan and it was refer- referencing back to a new hope when it got destroyed and how it affected her and all the trauma that she had from it and even though maybe she didn't translate that as well on screen and it didn't come through, I still yeah. think that was, that was an awesome, that was an awesome storyline. And I'm actually kind of glad aside from all the politics and all the crap and whatever went on behind the scenes. I'm not, like I said, not interested in that. I don't care when season three came up and they said that she actually got moved up to special forces for the new Republic. I was, I, I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised that they actually came in and did her, did her, her character some justice, you know, and said, Hey, This is what happened to her. This is why she's not a part of the show anymore. So, I mean, even, even her storyline was, was awesome. And like, you were bringing up more people that I've just. Yeah. Yeah. The the Cardoon character was a cool character and, you know, the idea of her and her background and everything. uh, But kind of piggybacking on what you said, the, the performance of that character was a little bit lacking uh but yeah i i I can't imagine i mean it's hard to imagine somebody else in that role Mm -hmm. um but i did like that that character uh while i'm thinking about it keith uh is in the chat room i don't think he's been in the chat room before how's it going keith what's up what's up Um, good to have you here um, well, let's go ahead and jump into our discussion about uh, just kind of a general discussion of season one. Um, so, you know, you've got uh, this Mandalorian character that, um, you know, he's he's uh, doing his bounty and he gets this this job to find this asset from uh, an Imperial warlord and. He goes and finds this thing. Turns out it's, you know, the little uh, Yoda species. Um, and, you know, the whole season goes through where he, he turns it over to the to the Empire and or the Imperial Warlord. And then, um, and then goes back and gets them. <laughs> uh, so the whole season kind of tells the story of him escaping with this kid and you know ultimately leads with him back on navarro uh and fighting off um you know the person who uh originally was looking for this little guy and uh discovered you know it's moff gideon um great season it was it was there was a lot going on mm-hmm. and a lot of great characters and uh great ending it was just all all around good good season uh sean what were your thoughts on the season um yeah as a whole it was excellent um the i i I, the thing between season one and season two i mean the character arc of din as a whole you know it's it's it was so well done um but specifically season one you know as soon as he turns him over to Pershing and, and Werner Herzog's or, uh, you know, the client, whatever. Um, like, I don't know about you guys, but when I was watching, I was like screaming at the TV, like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Are you not going to go back and save him? Um, and then of course we get the epic 
you know, rescue scene where he just, you know, again, takes out everybody with the whistling birds. And it's just, you know, it's what you want with that sort of Western style, uh, shoot him up, uh, feel. And then, you know, the progression throughout the season to kind of eventually become charged in or yeah, in his, or have Grogu in his charge. Um, while being chased down by Moff Gideon, which I know we didn't even mention in the characters. Uh, and you, you understand that there's this big bad, cause that's the first side of introduction of the kind of Imperial remnant that was existing between, you know, return of the Jedi and what would become, you know, the force awakens, right there at some point, this, this evil has to rise. And so the introduction of Moff Gideon as this head of one of these sort of, uh, Imperial groups, um, which obviously we get more of in season three. Uh, and then <laughs> that last scene or, well, the last 10 minutes of the season finale with Queel going down, um, them, them getting out of the, the, uh, the, re not, not restaurant, but the, the building, right. That's on fire with the Inferno troopers, Epic going through the sewers, getting chased down. IG sacrifices himself. I mean, it's just that, that the season as a whole was so perfectly encapsulated, was wrapped up into a beautiful present and gifted to us, the Star Wars fan. And I couldn't, I had no issues at all with season one. It was fantastic. So going back to the Cardoon character, uh, Tina was saying that, you know, if I can get it up here, here, um, I think, Favreau wanted her specific, specifically for her physicality. I can see that. Mm -hmm. Like, he didn't seem to care that she didn't really have the acting chops. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Keith said that they really set the tone of season one with the client story arc. I, I have to agree with that. Uh, J.D., what, uh, what did you think of season one kind of overall? I, You know, I, um, I think they did an awesome job right out the gate of establishing him as a not boba fett but a boba fett style you know like he could have came from the same clan or the same you know same training same background as boba fett and he just i mean they went right into him not saying a whole lot quick to the point just you know just an absolute badass and when it came to the kid you see this you know, you see this Mandalorian who's established himself and, and right along with that and people like, yeah, Boba Fett was like that, or blah, 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 you know, or whatever. And then he's just this this badass character. And then you see the child and all of a sudden you see this dude who's, who is that way. And now, you know, you, you it's like the the yin and the yang of the two. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's a, this innocent, defenseless child and you have this badass dude and the two of them together and they establish that throughout it. And then you see how him being like that, even through the first couple episodes when he turns him over and he tries to go over to another job, just like you were talking about, Sean, when he, when he tries to go over and he tries to do something else, he's like, I can't stop thinking about what they're going to do to him or what could possibly happen. And so this guy's, you know, it's like going from, that bad, bad, you know, th th that awesome, badass character to now he wants to be a nurturer and a protector. And it's like, he flips just like that. And it's like, that was just so cool. And the rest of the, the rest of the season, him is him trying to protect this kid and trying to keep him from harm and doing everything he can to, you know, to keep him out of harm's way and keep him from what the empire could possibly do to him. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was unexpected. It was cool because I've always gone to, 
social media groups and, and, and celebrations where I've seen Mandalorian mercs. And those guys always put so much time and effort into their costumes and so much time into their effort, into their backgrounds and their stories and what they did and how much they loved Boba Fett and all the side stories and the EU stories and all these kind of things. And then we get this, this character here who kind of puts the, puts the stamp on those guys and says, yeah, here you go, guys. Here's your, here's your linchpin. Here you go. You know? And it's like, man, it just turned into, it turned into such a phenomenon. And because the show was so well done and because the story just progressed in such a great way, you know, his, his lack of love and his hatred for droids in a world that literally almost depends on droids. And, you know, and then, and then the droid, you know, he, he establishes how he hates them and then they establish why he hates them so much. And mm-hmm. then one saves his life at the end. And then you go on to other seasons where he's actually starts depending on them again. And, and yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. That first season just really just kind of just nailed it on the head for me. Yeah, it was really amazing. Like, I really like how they kind of just teased at his backstory. Like, they didn't go all out and just, like, lay it all out there. They just kind of sprinkled it in there. Uh, And, yeah, Tina, agree. I was about to mention that. I I absolutely love the ships in the show. The Razor Crest is is amazing. Uh, I don't know if any of you – there you go. There you go. my big one's in the other room. Is that uh, is that a That's Lego? Lego one. Yeah, this is yeah. this is the Lego. This is the Lego yeah. set here. Yeah, I need to get one of those. Um, I don't know if you, either one of you ever played the um, miniatures game X-wing, um, but <clears throat> there is a Razor Crest for that game. Um, I was at a at a game shop uh, a couple months ago and saw the Razor Crest, and I'm like, do I need that? I don't really play the game. <laughs> But I got the Haslab one, so I've been kind of holding off on the answers. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm probably going to buy at some point. I'm going to buy that miniature of the Razor Crest. It's pretty cool. Yeah, well, the Razor Crest is such a cool looking ship. Um, and uh, another uh, another thing I really liked about uh, toward the end of the season, you had the um, the Scout Troopers. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of getting into specifics here about certain things that I liked about the about the season, but the uh, the scout troopers that couldn't hit the that kept shooting and, couldn't, and he's like, "What's the thing?" And then uh, I've never seen so much hate for scout troopers when that one punch Grogu. People were, people yeah. were so mad. They're yeah. like, "Oh, there <laughs> was, I, I, was I so love- much hate." I loved that scene because, well, one, Jason Sudeikis was one of the voices of the scout troopers, right? So Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso, he's great in his own right. But you hear them over the intercom talking about how Gideon is just nuking his own his own squad because, you know, they've they've lost the child. Or, you know, you know, it's like, do you want to go down there? No, I don't want to go down there. Why would I want to go down there? We want to, <laughs> do I want to go get shot by Mark Gideon? No, no, I'm going to stand right here. And <laughs> just, yeah, it's it, yeah, that scene. I agree. That scene was great. Great stuff. Um, the uh, of course the Tatooine uh, story arc um, in in this season was was pretty interesting with the with the uh, the wannabe bounty hunter and uh, you know going after Fennec Shan and um, his his dialogue uh, the Mandalorians uh, dialogue with uh, with the Sand people. 
Um, that was just a that up. was just a segue to Boba Fett. That's all mm-hmm. that was. The Spurs, the sound of the Spurs there at the end yeah. of that. Yeah, that yeah. That I mean, if you didn't know that was Boba Fett at the end, I mean, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now there was a lot of speculation going on, and I'm like, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. No, and it's not. I was, just, I was just, I was just like, I mean, I'm a huge Boba Fett fan, so I would have been. I was, if if it was more than just a rumor, I would have been very happy, but. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking, no, that's that's not. They're not going to do that. They're not going to bring him back. Uh, then, of course, in season two, they they bring yeah. him back. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't. They didn't bring him back. They put him on the end of a sledgehammer and hit you with it. <laughs> uh, but we're not here tonight. To talk about Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> we were, well, me, I meant in a good way. I didn't mean in a bad way. I meant in a good way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, what What do you got in your hand there, Sean? Oh yeah. So you were talking about Boba. So first, I mean, John is a massive Boba Fett fan. If you were on, he'd be talking. He'd be probably grabbing his Jeremy Bullock signed helmet. Um, but uh, so what I grabbed was a. Uh, I actually have a Bullock signed comic. It's about it's one of the old Dark Horse right. uh, comic yeah, series. That's, I had those. Yeah, I had those comics. Um, Bounty of Barcuda, Twin Engines of Destruction. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I'm a big. So, so let me. Uh, I'll just. So I can't really turn my camera to it, but I'm gonna take this off the wall, and this is what. So this is what I look at on my wall here in front of my computer. Uh, I've got the big one back there. Um, I've got this wallet here. (laughs) And yeah, I think John and I probably would get along. Uh, (laughs) Of course, I've got the... And you've got the Mandalorian. Yeah, you've got the Mythosaur. But but, see, this is a little bit more... Oh yeah, there you go. I've got the Mandalorian skull on my arm, so yeah, yeah, big, big, and I've got a bunch of Boba Fett stuff over here. I was, I could figure out a way to put this behind me, but actually, I think there is a way to do that. I think it just dawned on me. Okay, um, anyway, but uh, yeah, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, season one was was just incredible, and it was. Um, I have to say that it, it, it definitely met my expectations, if not exceeded them. Because um, like everybody else, the 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 Grogu reveal was out of nowhere. I had no idea this was going to be the story. Uh, but um, man, you had the uh, the covert with the with the Mandalorians hiding underground and. Um, Man, it was just a great season. Um, are, were there any particular favorite parts of the season that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, um, I'll I'll jump in real quick. The, I mean, it's I was going to say uh, the the dark saber reveal at the end of season mm. one was incredible. Like that was, you know, next to Grogu or Baby Yoda, I guess at the time being revealed, that was like the holy 
ish moment. I don't know if you curse on your podcast or not. So I'm gonna keep it clean, but your whole, the holy ish moment at the end of the season. Cause we, we hadn't seen that right in, in live action at all. Um, I would say for me, the kind of going back to what JD was saying about the parental child kind of switch that you get with, with Din going from this kind of hardened, sh you know, shut off character to more protective, right? It's, it's very reminiscent of anybody who's never been a parent before. And then all of a sudden they give you this kid and they're like, Hey, you got to care for this and take care. And it doesn't matter how, what your personality was before it completely changes. Um, <clears throat> so anybody with the kid will, you know, kind of understand that, that reference. And, and, and I feel like, again, they did a really good job setting it up to go into season two and that scene with the mud horn. Um, Ooh, I think it was yeah. episode two. Right where where the mudhorns chasing him, Din is resigned to his fate that he's about to be annihilated, and Grogu saves him. Right, he he saves him out of nowhere. It's it's unexpected. It's the first time that Din sees him use the Force. Um, you know, it's the first time we see him as a Force user. I think it's kind of assumed, right? But yeah. who knows where he learned how to use yeah. the Force and that sort of stuff, which of course we learn later on. Um, but the scene with the Jawas with the disintegrator gun. And, you know, talking about uh, weapons are his life and and everything like that. So from a parental child perspective, like that scene with the Mudhorn um, was really cool. And then and then again, at the end with the reveal of the Darksaber was pretty epic, a pretty epic way to close season one. Yeah, that reveal was pretty, uh, pretty amazing. You know, uh, the Darksaber um, specifically. Yeah, that was. That was pretty awesome. Uh, how about you, JD? Uh, we actually mentioned it earlier. I I liked the whole Cantina standoff scene from beginning to end. I thought that was fantastic, and seeing the IG come, IG droid come in, you know, IG eleven come in with Grogu, shooting up the place and saving them, you know, and keeping <laughs> them from the E-Web cannon, you know, and and then them yeah. getting out of there. Uh, that that scene for me was so cool. Mm -hmm. But then again, like I say, I always say Return of the Jedi was one of my favorites. So seeing the speeder bikes and then and then the IG eleven, you know, with the Empire Strikes Back reference, seeing him with the new baby Grogu and them doing the shootout with the E-Web can. I was just like that. That whole scene was just that was awesome. <laughs> it was great. Well, and to that point, we didn't know that there was going to be a season two. So when they're actually like pinned down, you don't know that they're actually going to escape right. so there was like actual tension there you know yeah mm -hmm. yep. yeah um yeah you guys mentioned the uh already mentioned the the opening sequence uh you know the first thing we see is him on this ice planet and uh taking out a few few thugs in the bar uh after they they try to take his best car um and then uh and then we get a uh we get a cameo in that like in the first 10 minutes uh from uh i mean we had a cameo of the myth uh how do you pronounce that the myth mythal oh the mithral mithral yeah so you have him uh but you also have the uh the cameo of uh brian potion as the uh, land speeder driver mm -hmm. which was which was pretty funny um those of you if, you if you don't know who he is he he was in uh the most memorable role i'm i'm thinking of him at least for me was uh he played a character in the big bang theory mm -hmm. um which was good but that was uh 
Yeah, Horatio Sands. That's who I was thinking of for the uh, for the alien, uh, Keith. Um, thanks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there were there were cameos spread throughout. But uh, yeah, that first first sequence with uh, on the ice planet was was pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. and, and then you see he's got the uh, he's got the uh, um, carbon freezing in his ship. <laughs> it's like that's pretty awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And you can't forget you can't forget about the one last thing that made a cameo from a from a portion of Star Wars that nobody liked. <laughs> well not well, I won't say nobody like I just say people are very um divided on the 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 Boba Fett's gun from the uh holiday special. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yep. You saw that and everybody goes, That is cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, wasn't that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and jump into uh season two. Um, so season two uh started on October 30th of 2020, um, ran for eight episodes. Um, another really good season. Um, I really liked the in, in you know the first the first episode when we uh, when we see uh, a character who who I actually already knew um, from having read the aftermath uh, trilogy uh, they brought in Cobb Vanth um, and so first episode uh, starting off with a bang I, I thought I thought it was great and then uh, of course at the very end. Uh, as as Mando is speeding away with with uh, with the armor, uh, you see you see Boba Fett up on the ridge, and you know some of us might have wet ourselves. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah! Actually, before we get too deep into season season two, uh, I do I do mention this iconic line that 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 Keith just brought up. I totally forgot about it. I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so awesome. So awesome. You know, so, I actually had, you know, I had actually at the end of episode one, I actually had people who oddly enough, um, when that reveal happened, there were, I was, I was watching it with a bunch of people. I was watching the first, the first season with some people. Yeah. And there was a couple people in the crowd that looked at it and went, who's that guy? And I went, are you serious? You, you are you serious? You don't know who that is? And they're like, they're like, no, explain it. And I went, that's that's tomorrow Morrison. And they go, okay. And I said, he was all he was Django, and he was basically the face of all the clones. And they go, okay. So what does that mean now? Is you know, I went, I went. Oh. oh man! Like this is one of those this is one of those frustrating moments as a Star Wars fan when you go sit down before you fall down. Sit down. We got a long conversation. <laughs> I, you know, somebody that after I after it came out, uh, I remember somebody. I, I want to say it was on Twitter said something about uh, why was Captain Rex in the oh movie? yeah. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People didn't. People didn't quite get it, and I was like, didn't "Connect 
They yeah, didn't connect they, the dots. They, they didn't connect the dots. Dot. They didn't connect the jangle of the of the spurs. They didn't connect him yeah. and the black and then the scars. And I went and Tatooine and I went, oh, this is yeah, no. <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I was I was just like, I went nuts. I'm like, oh hell yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And I I I, always, I often forget too because I'll have freak out moments. I'll be like, yes, that thing, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Like in Ahsoka, when you saw the father, I was like, yes, oh my god. And then yes. people were like, well, I don't get it. And I'm like, just yeah. Yeah. go yeah. home, go to bed, go home. Don't just have time to explain the entire Clone Wars TV series to you. <laughs> I have those moments when I watch the shows with my wife. Uh, she's graciously bought into my you know geekdom. And so we'll watch the shows together and I'll nerd out just like you said, JD. And you'd be like, what is that? And I go, it's this, like, I'm, I'm certainly more patient, you know, with someone who's never seen it before, but you know, and I'll quickly like with, when we got the mythosaur in season three and you know, like you said, the father oh, at the end man. of us, that was, so it, was awesome. <laughs> it was one of those where you're like, Oh my God. And we'll you're like, we'll what, what is it? And you're like, ah, it's this mythical character that nobody's ever seen before. And, and so you kind of, so I, I, I get the feel. What's bad is when you got to go back to like Star Wars 101 <laughs> and go from there, and then you got to explain this timeline and these characters, and you got to jump from one to the other to explain. And I was like, oh, Yeah, I'm gonna give you homework, go home and watch it. <laughs> See, yeah, you're, you, you, got, you got a little lucky there, Sean, because my wife absolutely does not like Star Wars at all. Uh, the only thing she likes about Star Wars is the Ewoks. Ah, yes. Uh, which, by the way, I don't know if you if I mentioned this, JD, but at, at some point in time, we have to do an episode about Ewoks. I mean, uh, I think I mentioned to this last week when, yep, because one of the one of the Patreon tiers was you get to pick an uh, uh, episode topic, and and she picked the Ewoks. So we have to talk about the Ewoks at some point. I'm not looking forward to it, but um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of uh man, that was just I might be willing to I might be willing to say this is probably my favorite season of the Mandalorian. Because mm -hmm. um, you've got uh you know you've got the, the, the Tatooine, you've got the appearance of Boba Fett, you've got uh the appearance of uh, Bo-Katan and uh, you know Ahsoka Tano and it's just yeah it just gets there's just so much packed into the season um, they easily could have gone a few more episodes mm -hmm. uh, so I, I if I had to say one thing that could have been improved uh, is it felt like it was not necessarily rushed, but it felt like they were trying to pack too much into too little. Um, I I, I kind of got that a little bit, but I think by the end of it, I think we I think with what they packed into it, I think they did a, a very good job of doing it oh, because absolutely. there was a lot. There was a lot. There was a lot going on. Yeah, there was uh, a lot. Keith was saying that the dark trooper hallway scene was amazing. I agree. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay. We haven't even Tina, we haven't even got to that part. <laughs> Tina says the uh, Bo-Katan and all her cake. Hmm. Okay. 
we're not even going to get into that that whole uh, 3% mess. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, we can, but, you know, that, that's for another time. Um, so any, any specific uh, comments you have about season two? Let's start with Jay. Uh, oh, okay, Keenan. Gotcha. Oh, <laughs> I, th she, I think she's referring to the. Yeah, I know what she's referring to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you know, there people. Um, people talk about shows like Clone Wars and stuff like that, and they talk about um, like filler episodes. You know, you, I'm sure you guys are familiar with what they sometimes they refer to filler episodes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I felt like season two, with as much as they packed into it, we got maybe one one filler episode out of the whole thing which was great and it really wasn't even quote unquote filler it was just kind of a neat little um yeah i mean it was kind of a neat little thing because it made references to some some old artwork and some old ralph mccory stuff you know that they had a long time ago and they were actually able to work that into there which was kind of a great homage Are you talking about specifically season you're two? talking about the spider the spider scene right the spider, the spider scene. yep the spider and if to me that one was just kind of a it, i mean it could be called a filler I mean, really, it could, but at the same time, like I said, I think it was a great homage to to Ralph McQuarrie. I think it was a great way to kind of pay tribute to a lot of his uh, concept art and stuff like that. Uh, so it, it really, even that, it wasn't because it was neat because it gave it kind of a aliens uh, vibe, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then when when Carson Tava comes in and they and they save him and 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 you see him and Dave Filoni, you know, or um, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. You know, Anyway, <laughs> Trapper, Trapper Wolf. And Trapper Wolf, yes, thank you. Gosh, I was like Wolf, Wolf. I have his helmet in the front. Um, even that episode was 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 pretty cool because you got to see some really cool scenes with the Razor Crest, which obviously I love the Razor Crest. I mean, it's a great ship. Um, but the whole season with everything that they packed into it, and because you had all of that stuff that they did with the season one of Mandalorian, and it was like, oh my god, that's great. They're going to go further with it. Holy crap! Here's season two. Wow! And then they go. Oh, by the way, we're going to throw in all these people that you already know. And how the hell they figured out how to cram all of those legacy characters into that season and still make it flow. I mean, yeah, it did feel a little rushed, but it still flowed very well, I thought. I was like, I was blown away. I, I was absolutely blown away. And when you say season two is your favorite, I'm completely agreeing with you that season two was just like, I mean... As far as I'm as far as I'm concerned, when you talk about shows, even Andor, because Andor is a great series, but when it comes to the melding of action, the acting, all the legacy characters that they brought in, everything, it seems like from here on out, you're really a lot of shows are going to be measured by how much impact season two had on the Star Wars community. All the rest of the shows are going to be like, how does it measure up to season two kind of thing? And that's kind of how it is for me. Season two of The Mandalorian, how does it measure up? Is it as good? Is it better? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And and that's kind of the way I look at it because it was just such a great, I mean, it just yeah blew me away. See, I wanted to mention you had mentioned those spider creatures. Um, I I even thought I mean I thought those spider creatures was cool because they were those were the creatures from Star Wars Rebels. If you're remembering, those are the ones that oh. were. You know, you're those the same ones. Are? Are they the same oh, ones that I'm were on sure the, the same type of creatures when they set up the base with the Bendu where the Bendu was? Yeah. 
Oh, it's been a while I'm since I've read through. Sure those were the same creatures. Uh, cause when I, yeah, cause when I saw those on, on, uh, on this episode, I'm like, oh yeah, like got me excited. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I got, I got, I had a Jedi Fallen Order vibe cause with the albino spiders that you would fight mm, in that game. Yeah. It, yeah. PTSD from being, yeah. you know, jump scared half the time yeah. on Kashyyyk. Well, you got, game thing. you guys have seen that original artwork, right? The one, that, mm-hmm. the one I was speaking of the raw for. Okay. I was mm-hmm. gonna say that's, yeah. that's the only one that I, that's the only one that I can remember now. Like I said, it's been a while yeah. since I've done a run through of rebels, but. That's the one that made me think immediately. I went to the, oh my God, it's the the white mm-hmm. spiders from Ralph McCory's, you know. So I was like, that is awesome that they actually found a way to put that into the show. And like I said, it, even though, I mean, some people were like, oh, it's kind of a filler episode. Eh, but and, look what they did with it. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And we had we had a, a really good, uh, toward, toward the end of the season, we had a really good, uh, like, PTSD episode uh, where, where they break mayfield out of prison oh yeah and you know he's he he they wind up at the base where he is uh confronted with his old commanding officer and, and his ptsd sh- just kicks in and, and just blows and that's, <laughs> that's what i was talking about earlier with bill burr that mm-hmm. dialogue between the two of them yeah. was mm-hmm. like Mwah! Yeah, that was just awesome. It was like Chef's Kiss, man. That was great. It was. I mean, yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't think there were really any. I mean, I don't think there were any filler episodes in this season. It was just a great season. Yeah, and that the the reference to Project Cinder during that uh, back and forth between them. So for anybody who's played, you know, Battlefront or yeah, Battlefront Two, right? Who played single player? Who knows what that is? Can understand, you know. Or like kind of got that reference to to uh well not only what was done but what the effect was as a result of it so that was that was a really good little easter egg that they threw in too <clears throat> i thought i thought in that episode it would have been cool because when they referenced project cinder i was like are they gonna are, is like i diversa is she gonna come are they gonna are we gonna see mm-hmm. her yeah, and like maybe just a, just a quick cameo or something. I'm like, oh, come so on, awesome. That would have been great. I'd have been like, yes. <laughs> Finally, some video game love. Hell yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, that was great. Um, any other uh, any other thoughts about season two, Sean? Yeah. So the thing I enjoyed most was that you know this is the first season where we kind of got the episode names ahead of time. So you kind of got to speculate about what was going to happen at each point. Um, like at one point, I think there was one called the Jedi and, you know, we'd heard that, that Dave was going to bring Ahsoka to, to live action. That was the episode he was directing. Oh, yeah. So you're like, ah, it's gotta be Ahsoka. Um, and I actually remember sitting down with, uh, uh, we were at a, a toy convention here in town and, uh, where I was, they, they brought the recording stuff. It was for another, a friend's podcast. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go out on a really big limb here. Like, and it's not super strong. I'm just going out on it. I said, what if the Jedi is Luke? And I had said that in October, like the the week before the show, like the season debuted. And to have Luke <laughs> show up at the end, uh, I was just like, oh, my God, I actually got one thing right. You know, as we as speculators, right, half the 90 percent of the time are wrong. Um, but back to kind of your guys' point about the, the flow, 
the only thing that I had an issue with was it felt very point to point. Like it kind of felt like you were saying earlier, you're a big Bethesda guy, uh, Steve. It felt like I was on, playing, not playing Skyrim, but it felt like Skyrim where it was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to this merchant who's then going to send me to this villager who's then going to send me to this person. And it felt very like linear, which isn't a bad thing, but <clears throat> Like you said, it's it's bringing in all these different characters, all these different storylines. You've got Casca and Axe and Bo, you know, saving Mando one spot. Uh, crazy Ice Spiders and Frog Lady Eggs in another. You got Migs bust and and Mando. Mando, we see Mando's face for the first time. Uh, no, sorry, that was at the end of season one. But anyways, he gets him to take off his helmet, and and so we get that whole thing. You get two great episodes with Ahsoka and the magistrate and um, that whole uh, Kurosawa feel, right? That Japanese feel right um, with that scene. And it's just, like you said, it's all these different things mashed together. And uh, I mean, it, it was, it was really well done. It just felt a little point to point, but um, I mean, aside from that, like that, and that's just nitpicking the, the season as a whole was great. Um, Obviously, you learn Grogu's name uh, with Ahsoka and the end, the way that they wrapped the season, <clears throat> like you actually felt the emotion between Din and, and Grogu. And for somebody who has had his face covered for 99% of the show, to have that actual interaction where you feel genuine, I'm actually kind of getting goosebumps talking about it, which is weird. Um, but like you actually feel that letting go, right? And again, parent, child, at some point your kids grow up and they have to go and you have to let them go. Despite everything you've been through, you have to let them go do their thing, which is why Boba bothered me so much. Um, but again, that's not this show. Um, but anyways, the way that that's they... A different conversation. That's a different conversation for another show. That's a different the, conversation. The way that they completed Din's arc, like they gave him empathy, they gave him strength, they gave him leadership qualities that you're like, hey, he's going to be the one which I realized that's not exactly what happened, but he could be the one to lead and reunite everybody. Right. And Grogu gave him that. And I thought it was just like the perfect character arc, like from where we saw him in the, in the saloon at episode one to the end of episode 16, like you got the full, full growth. And I thought that was a real triumph given everything they squeezed into season two. Um, Man, what else does there say about season two? Uh, oh, you know what? Season two is also where we first get the uh, uh, name drop for uh, Thrawn mm -hmm. to kind of get the idea that we're going to get a live action Thrawn. Um, so that was pretty cool. Tiny Thrawn. Tiny Lego Thrawn for you. <laughs> there he is. As a Lego collector, that, that episode was amazing because his price... Went from like thirty dollars a pop to like ninety dollars a pop overnight. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you know what I okay. you, you know what I thought was cool was I I, um, I know it's a little bit weird, but on 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 for some reason on my YouTube channel or on my YouTube uh, account that I have, you know, a lot of stuff comes up for Star Wars all the time, and once in a while I get these recommendations for like reactions to TV shows and whatnot, you know, and they showed people's reactions from different channels and different people of the last episode the rescue and i was genuinely when luke came into because you can't really have this conversation without going hey you know this is what happened with luke 
and, and, you know, can you believe what they did, you know, how they did it and what happened and what he was doing and, and the fact that the Mandalorian struggled with one and Luke's just slicing through him like they're nothing. And then he had his hallway moment and so on and so on. And when I, I had my genuine just freak out like, yes, yes, yes. This is so awesome. We got, you know, we got Luke after Return of the Jedi and look how, you know, look how awesome he was. And then I went on YouTube and I watched other people's reactions and it was everything from people yelling and screaming to crying about the whole thing. And I went, I'm glad I'm not the only one who has these freak out moments about this because it was so epic. I mean, it was so, it was so crazy. And then between, I mean, you got three of them. We got the Boba Fett entrance back in, we, they brought him back in and I didn't even expect them to, I didn't even, I, I mean, it was just completely threw me for a loop because they were going to an old Jedi temple and here Grogu's sitting around communing with the Force, and the next thing you know, you see Slave One. I'm going, wait a minute, what the? That was completely out in left field, you know. And then, you know, and then the reveal of Ahsoka in live action after seeing her in Clone Wars and reading some of the books and different things. And I'm like, wow, that's that's crazy to see it. And Rosario Dawson nailed it. I thought she was great. And then when I found out that Brandon Lee's daughter, uh, uh, Bruce Lee's daughter, was playing the girl that she, you know, the person that she had a, a saber fight with. And I was like, wow, I'm like, this just, <laughs> you know, this is even crazier. And I didn't even think about, I'll be honest with you. Luke was not a forethought in my mind whenever they came to the end. And then when it happened, I was like, oh my, this is just, yeah, I'm, I'm done, sold, stick a fork in me. That's it. Yeah. One lone X-Wing. What that's, you know, Cara Dune. Oh, one X-Wing. Yippee. What's that going to, you know, well, yeah, we're saying. <laughs> It's like, oh. like holy crap! <laughs> and then you see the you see the expression on Moff Gideon's face because he, I think he knew who it was, and he's like, yeah, oh one, my god, next wing, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in trouble. <laughs> he's in trouble. Um, all right, so moving on, uh, the much debated upon third season of Mandalorian. <laughs> Um, I, I, I did not really feel the way about this season as, uh, a lot of social media did. I actually liked this season. Uh, I, I will not say that I liked it better than season two, uh, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. I mean, it, it, okay. It had its flaws. I will not dispute that. Uh, but the amount of Mandalorian lore and culture we got in this season was just, uh, it was just amazing. I loved it. It was great. I, I loved having all that. Uh, I'm going to piggyback, I'm going to piggyback off that for one second. You know, what okay. season three, you know, you know what season three is the biggest problem? Mm, tell me. Season two. <laughs> they had to, they had to measure. How it. are you going to, how are you going to top that? I mean, you really, you, I mean, you pull out all the stops, the big guns, you pull out everything in such a surprise way with season two that how, I mean, honestly, I looked at season three and I went, I don't even know how they're going to top that. There's no way. And then when people are like, well, that was kind of a letdown. I'm like, did you watch season two? I mean, how the hell? I mean, there's, there was no way. And I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm not surprised that people were like, eh, it was a little meh or, oh, that was terrible or lackluster. I'm going, yeah, because season two happened. Season no, two was, was phenomenal. It wasn't season two, but it it was pretty amazing in its own right. 
Oh, I I agree completely. It was great. It was I thought it was I thought it was great that like you said, the whole Mandalorian backstory and getting to see Mandalore and the the mythology and everything. But yeah. People didn't know as much about the Mandalorian backstory and behind the scenes of them as they did about I would dare say they didn't know as much about them as they did about even just Bo-Katan and then Ahsoka and Boba Fett and Luke and everything else. The, the backstory behind Mandalore and what the Mythosaur meant and the mines and all that kind of stuff and what happened to them. I, like I said, I dare say people didn't know near as much about that. So they were like, ah, this season doesn't mean as much because of it. Yeah. The, the, I, I was in the camp that didn't, uh, upon first viewing it, I wasn't the biggest fan. Um, I think I would, I think I, I didn't succumb to social media pressuring. Of course, there were certain things that, I didn't necessarily understand why they chose to do it a certain way. Um, but then in retrospect, like after, after the season finale, after a week later, I actually thought back on it more. And if you think about it in the way it was presented kind of in chunks. So, you know, like the first two episodes, obviously uh, with the reintroduction of Din and Grogu, which anybody who didn't watch Boba Fett's was super confused. Um, but, the reintroduction of that and now he's got to go to Mandalore and uh, so he can be cleansed and you get Bo, you know, brought in like that. The first three, four episodes, right. Are kind of like one thing. And you got Pershing story tossed in, which I actually really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. I know there was like a kind of, it was a, a, a filler episode, if you will. Um, and then we get the, uh, I think the thing that did it for a lot of people was when they saw Lizzo and Jack Black, like in kind of a mainstream role. Like, I don't think people, people are like, okay, this has kind of gotten comic, like uh, satirical in a way. But kind of again, if you look at that, through the lens, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All the colors, it was very like shiny, you know, um, clean and everything like that. And you got Christopher Lloyd uh, as the uh, Scooby-Doo, you know, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you and <laughs> you and Bo-Katan, right? And so, but then I think the way that the Darksaber's handed over and it's just given away and then what happens between Moff Gideon and Bo at the end, you know, I thought initially it trivialized the whole point of the Darksaber and kind of the, the uh, leadership hierarchy and how Mandalore worked i guess and how everyone up to that point is like gotta win in combat gotta win in combat and they're like all right uh she beat this spider droid while i was dying and, the, and everyone there is like yeah okay i i buy that you know it just felt weird to me but the way that they oh yeah go ahead no well i was just gonna say i, I not to fluff myself on that but i called that i called that at the end of the thing everybody's like well, well this is going to be an epic fight between bo-katan and dinjarin Mm -hmm. for the control of the saber and one of them's going to have to kill each other. We'll have to see how this comes out. I said, not necessarily. I said, what happens if she saves his life and then he can say, look, I'm unworthy. She saved my life. She should have the saber. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. And, and the way that they, I think the way that they were structuring was meant to suggest that the power, the strength to lead doesn't come from a thing. Right. And you get that at the end when it completely gets destroyed and it's meant to symbolize the, destruction of dogma that can restrict 
a society, right? That the thing that held the Jedi order back, right? They were so hung up on their dogma that they couldn't see anything else. They're hubris. And I feel like it was a way to, for them to shine a light on the Mandalorian dogma, the hubris surrounding the dark saber and basically be like, Whoa, you don't need this thing to be a leader. And so thinking back on it, like through that lens, it made a lot more sense. But in the moment, I was like, why did they do it that way? Why did they just cast this historic relic aside? You know, why this, that, and the other? And and so thinking on it, season three made a lot more sense. But in the moment, I can understand why people had their qualms about it. Mm-hmm. But that, too, was if you watch at the end, too, when they're all standing there in the halls and they're getting ready to reflight the forges and they're going back and doing it. It's like you said. The, the, the dark saber being destroyed was a symbolize of the old world was now dead and now they were going to create a new Mandalore where, because even at the beginning, I, I saw people that were like, well, I don't understand why these guys can't take off their helmets, but we've seen guys that can, you know, in the Mandalorian, in the Mandalorian lore, you know, ones did take off their helmets in the Clone Wars, but some of this guy can't, he's saying it's a sin and it's a transgression mm-hmm. or whatever. And, and people were confused about it. And then finally they, they kind of brought that into, into the, into the spectrum of, of why this is the way it is and how there's two different clans, you know, different, different sects of the same thing. And I kind of thought it had like a, almost a religious pretext, almost like, you know, you have some that are very, some religions that have sex that are very um, uh, extreme, you know, very extreme in their beliefs and very extreme ways. And then there's other ones that are very liberal with their beliefs and, you know, aren't as um, strict about things. And I kind of thought that was kind of a reference to those kind of things, you know, because they said weapons and the, and the way of the Mandalore was their religion. And so you can see how there was, you can see the differences in between the two of them and the dark saber meant to symbolize that was the end of that era of the separation between the two. And now in order to move forward, they had to work together, whether they believe one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and can I just say that Paz Vizsla had the most epic Star Wars sacrifice? I think uh, uh, next to next to maybe Kanan, right? Like as far as sacrifices go, yeah. it was it was pretty that the, the to go out that way was such a Spartan slash you know Mandalorian thing to do. Um, those last two episodes of the season were actually <clears throat> they were really enjoyable, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, always that- thought. That final episode was pretty, I mean, at, at, to a certain extent, it was kind of epic. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty amazing final. The way they fly in and, the, you know, they fight the super commando troopers and you almost feel like you need, um, uh, oh, what's that song? I can't think of, um, what do you say? Jeb Porkins died for our sins. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the, the, that, that, that last episode with, and now my question, well, I'm not the one who's supposed to be asking questions. Right. But did you guys think, Ask questions that was that was, did you guys think that was a clone or do you think that was the real Moff Gideon? Um, I think it was the real Moff Gideon. I, I think it was the real Moff Gideon because it being a clone would have been too convenient hmm. and didn't seem like the story they were trying to tell. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm, not, I'm in. Yeah, go ahead. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm honestly being a non sequel trilogy hater, and that's how I'm gonna <laughs> frame it. I'm honestly, I was kind of a little bit disappointed in that part of it. To be to be quite honest with you, I was kind of hoping that it was more of a broad spectrum of cloning, not necessarily cloning him, but cloning, yeah. you know, just figuring out how to try to clone mm. force sensitive yeah. people so they could make an army of force sensitive troopers. I was kind of hoping they would stick with that rather than going with cloning him, which would then segue into things like Snoke and things like the emperor's clones and things like that. You know, this was kind of the beginning beta stages of it. And I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't stay on that track. And maybe it kind of, in a way it kind of does because instead of doing the cloning, like he was supposed to, he was cloning himself. Mm. But I mean, I, I mean, if you like yourself that much and you want to clone yourself, then fine. But to me, it was kind of like, why didn't you just make generic clones that were force sensitive? You know what I mean? And it, like I said, it could have been a perfect way to segue into that. So that way, all the people that are going, oh, he got, cl Palpatine got cloned. Well, yeah, they've been working on it forever. Yeah. They were working on it in the EU. Yeah. He came back several times in the EU. I mean, I why not? Yeah. So, I don't know. That's what I kind of found was a little bit disappointing. So, that's just me. But but can we all agree that the, the, the standout uh, cameo in this was the little Babu Fricks? Oh yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, no hey. Squeezy. No squeezy. Hey, hey. No squeezy. No squeezy. <laughs> there there were definitely you could definitely tell this season they did not take themselves too seriously at multiple points. Um the no, 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 <laughs> no. The way I, I was disappointed they brought back IG that way, but um and then like in the last episode, the way that Grogu's like hopping away from the Praetorian guards, like yeah. felt very kind of comedic in a sense. Well, I mean, they did that previously in the show too with the with the schoolhouse and him still in the. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, so. it's true. I think I think though, if you think about it, they're kind of restricted with him, like they were in in a way. It was kind of like they were restricted with Yoda because one of the things that didn't work for me in Attack of the Clones was the fact that Yoda comes limping in with a cane up to Dooku and has this little conversation. And then the next thing you know, he's flipping around like a ballerina fighting Dooku and call me a hater. I don't care, but that just didn't work for me. I was like, no, 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 no. They should have saved the limping until after he was done or after the fight with Emperor Palpatine. And that's how, why he was limping was because he got injured. Not you limp in with a cane, you flip around a bunch of times, and then you limp back out again. I'm going, really? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. 15-year-old me just lost his mind in the theaters when I saw that. I, <laughs> I thought it was cool because I'm like, wait a minute. Yoda has a lightsaber? Holy crap. Yeah, I thought that exactly. part of it was cool. And I thought it was neat. I was just kind of like the, the whole – and that's the part that specifically the, the part that didn't work for me. And then when he gets down to baby Grogu, it's like, okay, the only thing he can do is flip. He can't even talk. Even the part where they're like he was going to train to fight and he had the little darts. And I'm like, he's wearing a onesie that has no legs through it. I mean, what, what the hell is he going to do? And then he did that little flip. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of neat. But I'm like, they're they're kind of reaching a limitation with him yeah. as to as far as what his character is going to be capable of because he's only 50 years old for a species that lives to be, mm -hmm. well, 900 years old. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. so um, do you have any 
final thoughts about season three because I've got another topic that I forgot to put in the show notes, but uh, I don't think you saw the show notes anyway, Sean, so that doesn't matter. Um, but if you got any, anything else that you want to say about season three, get them out now. Uh, yeah, the, the last thing I have to add is is that it was a joy to see Ahmed Best back mm. as Keller and Beck. Okay to to you know to obviously give us grogu's story um you know those who had seen the jedi temple um challenge show right um jd's got it uh to have him actually become canon you know and i and i use air quotes because the tv show wasn't but to to get him after all the hate that that he and that jar jar gotten and thus was directed at him to have him um get that kind of uh a rebirth i guess uh was really really quite pleasant to see i enjoyed that yeah that was good to see a kind of a uh getting yeah i yeah i completely agree sorry about my dogs um yeah i completely agree because i i you know that one of the greatest moments that i had in california was seeing him come out on stage and all the love that he got uh, when he came out on stage and, and when he came into the into the um, into the audience and had and did the live interview and everything and everybody was screaming jar 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 you know and I thought that was just that was one of the greatest moments because I was standing there I was watching him I got to see him come out and how elated he was that everybody was so happy to see him and all that kind of stuff and then I get to see his character go into a main role after watching the Jedi Temple Adventures I was like wow I'm like that is that is epic. That is fantastic. I'm like, I'm so glad. And then he speeds away in a Naboo transport. I'm going, that's like an epic. That's mm -hmm. like an epic. Yeah, whatever, haters. <laughs> you know, that was an epic moment for all the haters. I was like, yes, that is fantastic. I'm like, the only thing that would have made it better is if, well, <laughs> if Jar Jar just showed up, oh, yeah. I'd have been like, okay, that's, that is so crazy. <laughs> But alas, he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the last thing I wanted to talk about, and this won't take up much time actually, but I just wanted to like talk about real briefly, like the overall legacy of the Mandalorian, uh, like just in the Star Wars universe as a whole, and just as as a media. I mean. The obvious is, you know, the first live-action TV series that we get mm -hmm. for Star Wars. Um, and then what it brought about, you know. every I mean, all the live-action has morphed out of this. You know, we've got uh, Love It or Hate It, Book of Boba Fett would not have happened had The Mandalorian not happened. Ahsoka so would like not it. have happened. Um what else? What else? Andor, Andor, Andor. Yeah, I mean, really, any of the live action stuff would not have happened had the Mandalorian not come out. Mm -hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, um, I really think that, uh, for the lack of a better way to phrase it, and I'm going to use the phrasing that I did uh, in an article that I wrote. Uh, well, a couple of years ago, whenever the Mandalorian first came out, for a um, for a uh, a website called the Future of the Force, um, 
and the the phrasing that I used and and I kind of still believe it is is in some ways uh, the Mandalorian uh, kind of saved Star Wars. Would you agree or disagree? I I think, in my opinion, if you don't mind me going first, um, um, I think it really kind of set a an interesting precedent for for the future of Star Wars. If I may, maybe I don't know if it maybe necessarily saved it because even though people were divided about the Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker was kind of I, I'm going to say it was kind of the same. It was kind of you know received kind of half and half, you know. Um, I still think that what it did do was it brought it into another light where um, it set a precedent for all the futures going on. And I'll be, I'll be quite honest with you. If I couldn't have got my wish where George Lucas got the autonomy through Disney to do his sequel trilogy as it should have, you know, as it probably should have been, what I wished they'd have done is I wish they would have foregone the sequel trilogy or at least done one movie and then let things like the Mandalorian and Obi-Wan and other shows come out. Yeah. So that way they had not only a little bit more time to plan it out as to how far they wanted to go with it, but also they had, um, you know, more time to let that ferment a little bit and then let some of the other shows come into it and ferment and go, okay, this worked, this didn't, blah, 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 blah. So how do we want to move forward with this? And I think that would have, I think that would have done a lot better for it as far as the sequel trilogy is concerned. But the Mandalorian now I think has set a precedent for what, what needs to come next. Right. As far as star Wars is concerned. And they, they've really kind of, they hit the nail on the head with the Mandalorian, but most, you know, there's, at best the sequel is kind of 50 50 so they know what works and they know what eh. so they're like okay we're going with this this is what we're going to do moving forward so it, it set a very interesting precedent in the star wars universe and um i think i think it's going to affect all future projects when it comes to star wars if i'm to be honest yeah so the name of the article was why the mandalorian will save star wars uh, it was written in January of 2020, so like right after uh, Rise of Skywalker came out. And uh, at the time when I wrote it, there was just, from my own perspective, there was a huge divide in, mm -hmm. in the fan base. And, and I felt like at the time, uh, you know, the Mandalorian was what I thought was going to save the fandom from itself. Uh, to a certain extent it did, I, I still think, but there still is a huge divide in the fan base. So. If you take um, the sequel trilogy and you put a pin in it over here, and then you take everything from The Mandalorian on over here, then you're probably not as far off as you think. It probably really is. There was mostly positive and everything over here, yeah. but, you know, but with the divide that the sequel trilogy caused, unfortunately people are putting that in there and going, well, you have to include that. And I'm going, yeah, yeah I mean, really well, we, you do, but we did kind if of you look at the, last week, yeah, I mean, I mean, but if you look at the overall, what the Mandalorian has done for star Wars, I mean, really it's, 
I, I don't. To me, it's still going strong. Where where like Marvel's having problems. Yeah. Star Wars is still going strong. And mm-hmm. and piggybacking on last week's conversation, uh, if there was no Disney Star Wars, there would have been no Mandalorian. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> yeah. For for all the hate that Disney Star Wars gets. We wouldn't have Star Wars without Disney, uh, and and so to your point, Steve, about the, did the Mandalorian save Star Wars? I think that <clears throat> what it did was not only introduce a groundbreaking technology with the volume that has changed filmmaking dramatically, um, the cost of filmmaking, the the ability to build sets and stuff like that, and you know maybe there are certain things like in Kenobi, right, where maybe it was overused or it wasn't used to the fullest extent, but nevertheless, the existence of the volume and that technology is groundbreaking for filmmaking. So without the Mandalorian, you know, doing, being kind of the Guinea pig, I don't, you know, maybe we get the volume, but maybe it doesn't happen the way it does. What I think it did is it brought in a brand new group of casual fans to the fandom, um, strictly because of Yoda or, you know, Grogu, right. One, you know, for good or bad, you know, before that, you really had to be an OG fan or at least, you know, be aware of everything else. Whereas the Mandalorian was the first kind of on its own, independent, not tied into the Skywalker saga really at all. Um, <clears throat> whereas the movies were all tied in and everything like that. So for a casual fan starting out, it was the perfect like gateway uh, series to get into. Yeah. And then from there, you could you could jump off it. So I think what the Mandalorian did as far as saving Star Wars um, I think it helped to expand Star Wars to a more casual fan base, which is always good for a fan base because if you're not expanding, you're contracting and then it slowly fizzles. And so, you know, <clears throat> I, I will say that I think The Mandalorian did, has done a phenomenal job of not only bringing legacy characters, you know, back in various ways, but it's made Star Wars approachable and consumable. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way that maybe before it was a bit, a bit more difficult. <clears throat> so, I think that I think the divide of the sequel trilogy is what pushed a lot of like those newcomers away, because they heard about what was going on with, you know, with the divide and with Star Wars, and people were like, "Oh, Star Wars, that's for dorks anyway," or blah blah blah. blah. And then they saw the Mandalorian, and they went, "Wait a minute, this is a space gunfighter thing. Wait a minute, this isn't mm-hmm. like stupid. This isn't nerdy. This is kind of neat." <laughs> Yeah. You know, and like you said, then it brought him into the fold. And 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 the, I think I think well, the problems with the fandom and the divide with the sequels is kind of what kept some of those newcomers away. Like DB had said earlier, it had this it had this western theme uh, that you generally did not get in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really, Solo was probably the first time you got like a western themed. Mm-hmm. Even though Han Solo was was literally the what the intent, you know, the 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 uh, the amalgamation of of Western characters in in sci fi, you know, but you didn't get to see a lot of that, but we didn't get to see that, yeah, uh, until Solo, and then, uh, but yeah, in Mandalorian, absolutely, absolutely, uh, but well, um. I think that's a good place to wrap things up. 
Sean, thanks for coming and hanging out with us and talking some Mandalorian. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a blast. Good time. I'd, I'd come back and chat with you guys anytime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, everybody. It's great to meet you, Sean. It's great to meet Go you. Ahead. Great to meet you, JD. Thanks, everybody, in the chat room for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, make sure you check out OB Sean and his partner on the Force Diod podcast. Uh, like I said, I have the uh, link in the show notes um, for that. And then um, thanks for tuning in to us tonight. Um, if you are watching us on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, like this video. Comment if you would like to. Smash that like uh, button. Smash that like button. Yeah, smash that like button. Uh, thanks, Keith. So it's a great show. Um, if you are listening to this on audio, uh, if you are listening to us on Apple, please rate and review. Uh, and any of the other audio platforms, if you have the ability to rate and review, please do so. Uh, and next week, uh, we will be back with a... Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention. We do have... We did have a poll that I didn't didn't talk about. We had a poll uh, on the Rebel Rock Radio Twitter. Um, we asked, what was your favorite season of The Mandalorian? And here are the results. Number two. Apparently, well, look at how bad number three got. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So number two was uh, pretty much everybody's favorite. Um, but I was going to say, not surprising. Say that again. Not surprising. Not surprising. <laughs> um, so next week we will be back with another retrospective uh, because next week, around this time last year, was the conclusion of another great Star Wars TV show. So we will be doing a retrospective of Andor. Looking forward to that. And uh, looking forward to everybody coming out and hanging out with us in the chat. Uh, once again, Sean, thanks for hanging out with us. And everybody in the chat room, thanks for hanging out. And, uh, uh, you know, of course, thanks, JD, for coming and hanging out with us tonight, too. But... Uh, so take care, everybody, and uh, we will see you back next week.